the truth, praying for our youth, heaven bent, supporting one another, a living faith is what this life promotes, committed to press on, reaching life, forgiving one another, while staying on our knees, for it's God we aim to please, we are declared Walking in the truth, 
praying for our youth. Heaven bent, supporting one another, a living faith is what this life promotes. Committed to press on, reaching life, forgiving one another while staying on our knees. For it's God we aim to please. We are declared victory. Praying for 
are you? Heaven bent, supporting one another, a living faith is what this life promotes. Committed to press on, reaching life, forgiving one another while staying on our knees. For it's God we aim to please. We are declared victory. Praying for our 
are you? Heaven bent, supporting one another, a living faith is what this life promotes. Committed to press on, reaching life, forgiving one another while staying on our knees. For it's God we aim to please. We are declared victory. Good morning. Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Felicita, who's on the line. Good morning. It's sunshine. Good morning, sunshine. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you, too. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Felicita. Who else has joined us? Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Valacita, who's on the line. Good morning, Valacita. Cedric's on the line. Good morning, Cedric. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Valacita. Who else has joined us? Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Valacita, who's on the line. Good morning, Valacita. It's Sister Tracy. Good morning, everyone. Happy, happy, victorious Wednesday. Good morning, Sister Tracy. Happy Wednesday to you. Good to hear your sound. Good morning. This is Barb Hardy, Tracy's friend, and I'm joining for the first time. Oh, awesome. You say your name is Barb Hardy? That's correct. All right. Well, welcome, Barb Hardy. So glad you called in this morning, and we hope you continue to call in. All right. Thanks. You're so welcome. Good morning, Barb. (laughs) Good morning, Tracy. (laughs) That's awesome. Good morning. Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Salasita. Who else has joined us? Good morning, Salasita. Carla. Good morning, Carla. Happy Wednesday to you. Good morning, Ms. Kind Kim. Happy Wednesday. Love you, family. Good morning, Kind Kim, and we love you too. Happy Wednesday to you as well. Good morning, it's Brother Michael. Happy Wednesday. Good morning, Brother Michael. Happy Wednesday to you as well. Good morning. Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Valacita. Who else has joined us?
Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Valacita. Who's on the line? Good morning. Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Valacita. Who else has joined us? Good morning, Valuable. Good morning, Declare Victory. Happy Wednesday, for this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall, we will, we will continue to rejoice and be glad in it. Have a great day. Love you. Good morning and love you, too. Happy, happy Wednesday to you, Restorator Rochelle. Good morning. Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Alicita. Who else has joined us? Good morning, Eva. Good morning, Sister Yvonne, and happy Wednesday to you. Did you say that um, someone got into a car accident? Yeah. Okay. Who who was that that got into the car accident? Did you say your boyfriend? No. No. Oh, the worker at at your job? Okay. Hey, Mona, are you on the call? Okay. Okay, so someone that you know got into a car accident. Yes, yes, she's referring to our supervisor. Our supervisor was in a bad accident yesterday, but he's okay. He's going to recover just fine. Okay, all right. Thank you, and I appreciate that. Okay, good morning. Thank you for calling Declare Victory. This is Valacita. Is there anyone else that would like to say good morning before we begin the hosting? Okay, at this time, I'm going to ask everyone to please place your phones on mute and we'll begin the hosting. Thank you. It is my birthday today. All right. Happy birthday, Susie. (laughs) Glad you you woke up and told us. (laughs) Thank you. Please please also, um, please keep me. Well, there's some things going on in my life. Can you just ask God to help me? We'll continue to pray for you and happy, happy birthday to you. We love you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All righty, at this time, I'm going to ask everyone to please place your phones on mute, and I'll begin the host. Good morning, everyone. My name is Valuable Valacita, and I'm your hostess. Thank you for joining us here in Declare Victory. 
We are a prayer call that meets Monday through Friday, starting at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 a.m. Central Standard Time, and 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to edify, empower, encourage, and equip you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to call in during the month of October, where our monthly theme is entitled Sonship. Each declarer will focus on how to continue God's work by being a leader in his plan. Make sure you invite a friend so they can be blessed as well. There are two announcements today. Today is the day that declare victory fast for anything that you maybe believe in the Lord for. If you'd like to join in, push back your plate or something that you spend a lot of time doing and offer this time to the Lord in prayer. We will be fasting all day until 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time when we'll call back into this same phone number and have a quick closing prayer. Second, we'd like to offer you an opportunity to put God first in the area of your finances. Our mission at Declare Victory is to offer sound declarations based on biblical truths along with with prayer during the week and outreach participation to serve our communities in need. Will you partner with Declare Victory by giving to support our mission? There are three ways to give. You can give at declarevictory.org or paypal.me forward slash Declare Victory or through Cash App at dollar sign I Declare Victory Now. We pray many blessings by our Heavenly Father be returned to you for your giving and trusting in Him. We have a couple of prayer requests. The first one is from Yvonne, and she's just asking for us to pray for her supervisor there at her job. Um, He got into a car accident. He's going to be okay, but we just lift him up. Uh, Susie is also asking for prayer. She was asking for us to continue to pray for her. And we also want to wish her a very happy birthday. The order of the call is as follows. Prayer and corporate praise will be brought by Sonia. Declaration will be brought by Dion. Then we'll go right into closing comments hosted by the declare. I'll repeat the order. Prayer and corporate praise will be brought by Sonia. Declaration by Dion. And then closing comments hosted by the declare. The scripture for today is from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his holy word. At this time, we ask that you please place your phones on mute until instructed to come off mute. I now pass the call to Sonia. Have a blessed day. Psalm 109, verse 30 says, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will praise him among the multitude. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before thy presence, O God, and we let down our heart unto you, into your hands, and, and just uplift our eyes and our ears just to hear and see you for what, for what and who you are unto our lives this morning, Father. We thank you, Lord, for waking us up this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you allowed us to put our feet on the ground. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to move our arms. We are. We thank you for allowing us to see and hear, oh God, this morning. 
We thank you, Lord God, for our heartbeat that is deep. We thank you for the blood that moves within us. Father, but most of all, Lord God, we thank you that you have loved on us again this day, that we can just say thank you as we enter into your courts with thanksgiving, enter into your courts with praise, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that it was just you, Father, that kept us in all things, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that from, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same on yesterday, that you brought us into another great day that we can say, Lord, what is it that you have for us to do for you this day, Lord God? There are many prayer requests that have come before us, Lord God, and we lay up at your feet, Lord God. We lay the prayer request of Susie, my father, this day, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you had given her another year, Lord God, but not just another year, but another year to come into your presence and say, thank you, Father. Regardless of the things that she is going through, my heavenly Father, Lord God, you said you are the lifter of the bow down of the head, Lord God. Lord God, when she lift up her eyes and see that you are her grace, that you are her strength, that you are her everlasting from strength to strength, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for her, Lord God. This day on, generally this day, Lord God, give her the strength that she needs, Lord God, just to put one foot in front of the other, Lord God. Lord God, let her know that it is in her hands, my Heavenly Father, already, Lord God. Let her know that the joy of the Lord is her strength, Lord God. Let her know that if she praises you, that she continues to worship you, Lord God, it is already done, my Heavenly Father. Thank you for Yvonne, Lord God, that she actually, that's how she stands in the gap for her, her uh, supervisor, Lord God. I thank you for the supervisors that you protected them, Lord God, that you kept them, Lord God, because you are a keeper of things, Lord God. I thank you that you have watched over them, Lord God. I thank you for those that are all around them, Lord God, that have loved on them, Lord God, that you have brought them, brought him and brought that one before them, Lord God, just as those friends that took the roof off just to bring and lower them in the presence of Jesus, my Heavenly Father. And Lord God, for the one that is just asking for prayer, Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for those that didn't, but have it in their hearts too, Lord God. So as we continue to enter into your courts, from the outer to the inner, Lord God. We thank you right now, Lord God, for this day, Lord God, for the peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord God. We don't lean to our own understanding, but we lean unto you, Lord God, that as we stretch forth our hand, Lord God, that we stretch it, Lord God, and we put it in your hands, Lord God, everything right now, Lord God. So as we open up our mouths and take our phones off of mute right now, we open up our mouths and say thank you. We thank you, Father God, that you are faithful when we know We bless you, There's nobody like you. Thank you. 
valuable for hosting and for greeting us and thank you spicy sonia for um always being willing to uh entreat us in prayer and thank you to udd family for uh, our collective and or corporate praise this morning um i thank god for uh the sound pretty i could pretty i could hear your heart this morning as you were praying and so i uh, come into agreement with that which you are praying for um, just a, a really quick reminder to each of you to set your alarms, mark your calendars, do whatever you got to do. But more importantly, um, jump online and secure your space for the 13th of January. Certainly it's a, a distance away, 
But I want you to get excited. I believe we're going to have an amazing, amazing, amazing time. If you get an opportunity, uh, just jump online, get your get your seats, share the flyer, so on and so forth. Bring family, friends, loved ones. We want to have an amazing time. Amen. Um. So, so the last couple of days have been a, a little bit different, but prayerfully. We will uh, walk right back into the idea or concept of sonship. And it's been a, a long night, but I thank God for it. I thank God for the moments of study and um, just preparation for you all this morning. I know that some of the topics that we deal with, they're not the easiest to teach. And this is one of those concepts, and and I'll I'll share why uh, in just a moment. Um, We're going to be going to 1 Samuel, the third chapter. I'll tell you a little bit about uh, the first and the second. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, But it will be um, coming from 1 Samuel, the third chapter, and I'm going to jump around just a little bit in that particular chapter um, as to present my case this morning. How many of you know that, especially in a culture where biological fathers are often excluded, um, sometimes uh, by default, sometimes because uh, we haven't necessarily made uh, the the right decisions in our thinking, (laughs) sometimes um, but this is the beautiful thing. No one is here accidentally or coincidentally. That for, for those of us that have, and, and I can say, and if you've been on the line for any amount of time, I did not know who my biological, or I still don't know who my biological father is. And I did not have um, concrete information until I was 28 years old that, um, who my father was was not known to my mother. Uh, would later find, and somebody needs to mute their phone. I would later find that I was um, the the daughter, technically, of a John. All right. Uh, for some people, that's overwhelming. For me, it is what it is. But by the grace. Of God, I am what I am and and am necessary in the earth for such a time as this. Uh, if I were to coin this, <laughs> uh, I would I would probably say, uh, <laughs> mm, I was going to say something a little bit, uh, <laughs> a, a little bit shady, but I, I'll say this. Um, another. Another man's son, another man's son, okay? Um, As a a mother of three boys, there are certain things that I understand about each of my sons. There are things that I I recognize um, about the seasons and times of my life when they were conceived, um, the differences in each of them, but without a shadow of a doubt, uh, we know for a fact that they're mine, <laughs> um, but 
bloodline as important as it is, God is often gracious enough to give us a surrogate, to give us somebody who stands um, proxy for maybe a natural father or um, as an authority figure that can assist you and lead you and guide you uh, through processes and seasons of our lives. I think that if we'd all be candid, there are a myriad of young men who simply don't have a go-to. They don't have necessarily a point of reference or a place that they can visit that will help to guide them or push them into purpose and or promise. If we were to look historically at um, generations of O, there are um, people who have been blessed to have strong men, strong examples of leadership, quality men in their lives. And you'll notice that there is a difference in how they think or how they operate or how they move. We're still talking about sonship. You'll notice that um, for, and, and I'm pretty sure I could say this for everyone on the line, for people that were raised in households with two family members, two, two biological parents, a mother or father, um, you'll see statistically um, that their ability to thrive is very different. And even if they, they don't live in the same house, to have access to one's father is literally a gift from God. To have access to both parents is keeping the blessing in the house. Um, they may, you know, parents separate, but when there is a, a, a strong male in the family, there is a difference in really how young men especially, but not just young men, young women, how they process their information, how they consider things, how they experience things. And it, it takes a, uh, a huge uh, sacrifice for both parents to put their children before their own personal comfort or needs. Now, the the reality is, and I promise I'll, I'll put this all together, I'll take us to the word in just a moment, but what I notice more than anything is that for me, at the age of 24 years old, you guys hear this all the time, um, God blessed me with just an amazing man of God, a man that helped me to grow. Um, made me aware of my position in the kingdom. But more than anything, he plain and simply fathered me. It was in those moments that my hunger and thirst for um, kingdom awareness, for kingdom living, for kingdom thriving, not only did it grow, but I, I could literally feel myself beginning to stretch. And, and I always um, make a special notation for Newton Carey Jr., and how his love and his nurture as a father, um, it opened my eyes to an entirely different way of not only doing things, but 
um, his encouragement. His uh, he would constantly pour into me, and and what that did for me was it changed my confidence level. There are so many people right now that struggle and or deal with identity crisis. And, and, and the reality is just because you had a father in the home does not mean that he was present. He may have physically been, been in the home, but it doesn't mean that he had all of the necessary components to pour into you effectively. In today's story, um, if you read First Samuel, the second chapter, um, Hannah prayed for a child. She had been barren. Um, but her prayer, her entreating, her consistent cry to the Lord um, positions her to be favored of God. And one of the things that she promised is, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him right back to you. Not only did she do that, but because she was faithful to what she said in her request, God blessed her with five additional children after she had her son, Samuel. Um, let, let's go to the word and then I'll continue with my story. So first Samuel, uh, the third chapter, um, the word says um, that the Lord calls Samuel. Now, what I love about Hannah, that in spite of how bad she wanted a son, she realized that if God answered this prayer, it meant several different things. It meant that um, there was a specific favor that would rest on her. Uh, there was a specific favor that would rest on her husband. There was a specific favor that would rest on her seed. Now, the, the ironic part is, Prior to that, if you read the story of um, Eli, Eli had been promised that his bloodline would be cursed. His sons were what, what God calls in the word scoundrels. But isn't it, isn't it amazing that God would give uh, Eli scoundrels as sons, but then turn right back around in the third chapter and give him a choice son, a favored son, a son that would establish precedence for what we now know today as the favor of the Lord, right? Our lives, based on um, what is predestined in heaven, the reality is everybody needs somebody, you need a go-to. You need somebody that can pour into you, that can speak life into you, that can give you nuggets on how to respond, how to answer. Uh, perhaps you might be a little bit thrown off, right? I'm grateful for the voices that God has sent to me in this season of my life that I can um, process through and bounce things off of. Let's let's go to the Word. Um, First Samuel and let's let's start um, I'll start at verse four. It says, And the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered oh wait, wait. I'll start at one. Uh the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, another man's son, right? In those days the word of the Lord was rare. 
there were not many visions. But one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down at his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was laying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then he... And then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. And so he went, and he lied down. And again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, and he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. And now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. And Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went to lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Um, I'm going to stop right there for a moment. Now, keeping in mind that Eli was not Samuel's biological father, he was the steward and or the priest in that hour and in that time that God entrusted to have a hand in his life, in that that moment that um, Samuel began to be awakened to what he was called to, to his mantle, to his office, considering that his, uh, Samuel's mother and father made a a pact one with another to give their son the gift of God, the prayer, that the thing that Hannah begged God for back to the Lord. This meant for Samuel that he would be raised under a priestly anointing, that he would always have around him the the reality that he was a miracle child. He was an answer from God, that he was uh, the blessed, and the choice vessel of God in a specific season of his life. While Eli's sons had not been, quote, unquote, productive, they had done things to hoodwink the priest back in the day. They had done things that technically shamed their father. God still saw fit for Samuel to be under his leadership and under his tutelage and and to be the voice that would lead him right back, not just to uh, what he is called to, but even to be able to recognize the voice of God. We're still talking about sonship. One of the things that people struggle with today, and one of the reasons why so many are out of position, out of order, out of line, is because you still are not concrete with regard to identity. There is still a lack of awareness of what your origin is, what your purpose is, what you are called to, what you are sent for. 
God was so gracious in that in answering Hannah's prayer, he gave her womb the capacity to hold somebody that would for generations uh, be able to demonstrate to us what it looks like to live in the presence of God being fathered by a surrogate, being nurtured by a surrogate, but so much so that Samuel trusted the voice of Eli as father to lead him to the father, the heavenly father, our father, the one who ultimately not only sent him here, but would give him concrete instructions. See, Samuel, in that moment as a child, he wasn't, quote, unquote, saved. But the Lord began to open his eyes and his ears and uh, his heart to understanding that he was different. There was something about him that would reconcile historical violations. Now, because of the nature um, of this surrogate or uh, foster home, so to speak, because that's literally what it was, it was almost as if Samuel was dropped off at an orphanage. The only thing was Samuel was the only kid. There was dedicated focus to cultivating him, to growing him, to nurturing him, to protecting him, to protecting what's on his life. If I were to be completely candid, um, and, and I think if many of us were, while our intentions in many cases may be great or may be good, there are seasons and times of our lives, especially before our awareness of the fact that we are the sons of God was in place. We've probably not made all the best decisions. We uh, have potentially exposed our children to things that maybe they should never have known, or you didn't necessarily consider what their purpose was in the earth. We're still talking about sonship. I don't know about you, But I didn't always think about what I'm going to be in kingdom living as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old woman, uh, my first child being 30 now, and I I can see the history of my life. I can see um, just in looking at him, and not that I lived some ridiculous life, but my focus was not his purpose. We're still talking about sonship. Sonship means that you get to a place of identity in Christ where some things are just non-negotiable. Hannah understood that because her child was a promise, that he had to be brought up a specific type of way. He had to be protected and nurtured a specific type of way. He had to be provided uh, the necessary tools. Mind you, he was sleeping where the Ark of the Covenant rested. Can you imagine the level of presence that was practiced in that temple? Can you imagine what it looked like uh, early mornings and late nights where showbread was there at the altar? Can you imagine uh, the sacrifices that were brought to that place where he lived? All he saw uh, was the heart of the Father for the nations. Because he was in the right place at the right time, God gave him a father to point him to the Father. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, and, and, And the reason that I'm asking this question is because for many people, it's almost impossible to identify with the idea of sonship because you've not been fathered well. 
it takes a lot of uh, discipline in your mind to uh, look at God as father when you've not had the example of father. It takes a lot of, um, for real, practicing presence to even be able to identify what that means for many of us. For many of the fatherless generations, the ones who've never uh, seen the example of protector, provider, priest, or perhaps you did see it, but it wasn't done uh, extremely well. Perhaps you did see it, but it didn't leave the impact or the impression necessary for you to grasp the identity uh, of being a son of God to the degree that it pushes you or propels you past your complacency, past your partiality, past your insecurity, past your fear, past your trauma, past your history in an effort to push you into promise and to purpose. I know lots of people who've had fathers who were not fathered well. And so now how then, uh, similar to uh, what Samuel was. Now, there there are lots of things that could have happened because every year Samuel's mother uh, at, at the time of there was a, a specific uh, feast festival where she would bring him a new robe. So Samuel as a little kid kind of knew he was fostered. He kind of understood that Eli was not his biological father, but he still called him father because Eli obviously had the capacity to father him, right, to give him the necessary components, to give him the needful tools and training in order to operate in what God had called him to, to be able to um manifest that which God sent him in the earth to do through his mantles and his metrons. There were things that he understood, even as a kid, that I don't even know that he understood it was innate. Now, we don't know if in the midnight hour Samuel laid there and said, I wonder what I did to make my parents drop me off, not really realizing that it was a blessing that they had. We don't know if he felt abandoned or rejected, but the evidence of the fact that God kept his heart tender and pure through the fathering of another man is evident in all that Samuel did historically through the word of God. If you read just a little bit further, and I'd implore you, encourage you, entreat you to read it on your own, um, Samuel, his life was dedicated to the service of God through the heart of a man that was not his father, but still he understood what it meant to be a son. I remember at the age of probably about 22, 23, it took me a while to realize, if I'd just be 100% transparent, y'all don't know this, but sometimes I'm a little dingy. I didn't realize I didn't have a father. Um, it didn't. It didn't hit me until one weekend I have a sister that is 18 years my junior, and one weekend her father came to visit. And in my heart, I was jealous of the fact that her father came to visit her. Now, I wasn't jealous of her. I was jealous of the experience, and I remember it like it was yesterday, and I guess I had to be 
I was probably about 27 or 28 years old when, when that thing really hit me. By this time, Pastor Kerry had been in my life for several several years and was my surrogate in that season. Um, and I, I didn't really realize that I had needed to be fathered. But what I can testify to today is that Pastor Kerry taught me how to not only pray, but to hear the voice of God. And he also taught me what it meant to practice his presence. He also explained to me what it looked like to be fully surrendered in how I went after God like only a real father could. I want to ask you this, and for some of us, I know that there are variations of ages of people on this call, but are you open to being fathered? Are you open to God sending someone into your life that has the ability to point you back to the Father? Do you have the capacity to receive correction? Um, Do you have the capacity to receive um, a difference in trajectory based on a relationship that is necessary? And sometimes um, even being fathered is not necessarily, and we're not talking about gender specific. We're talking about positioning and posture because what, what we see here in the text is that Eli misconstrued the voice of the father for Eli, somebody that was sent to help him get to the next stage, right? I want to ask you this. Who in your life points you back to the father? Who in your life is the representation of having been called according to God's purpose and plan, the intent of his heart, Who in your life is the one that constantly reminds you uh, that, listen, if he's calling, make sure, I hear you, God, okay, right? Who do you have that you can process with, that you can look up to, um, that that you can receive a word from of correction or a word of um, encouragement, a word of rebuke or Um, a revoking word, who in your life speaks from that place of father? In a world where culturally we have a tendency to lean toward what's popular, we have a tendency to lean toward what's average, Um, we have a tendency to lean towards the basic things, the easiest road, who Who is the one that helps you identify that even though this may not be the simplest road, um, if you listen intently, you'll get supernatural instructions on what to do and how to do it. Who in your life speaks that language? The language of father. The language of not only are you going to do this, but you're going to do this from a place of clarity, confidence, and competence. You are going to be the learned of God, right? All of us have um, a a responsibility, right? All of us have uh, been sent here, not accidentally or coincidentally. It is not happenstance that we are here. We all have a role to play in advancing the kingdom, right? So, So get this. 
sometimes when God gives you a person that helps you hear the voice of God differently, it is so that you can hear the voice of God differently and then be able to communicate what God is saying to who is Sarah giving you, right? There, There is a mutual benefit when relationships that are intentional, relationships that are God-sin, relationships that are necessary for the next seasons of our lives. Um, and sometimes you are the men mentor, and sometimes you are the mentee, and sometimes those roles change. If you continue to read in the third chapter around about the 11th verse, it says, and the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hear about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I have spoken against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sins he knew about his sons, blaspheming God. So so let me stop right there for a minute. So even though Eli blew it with his own children, historically, he didn't correct them. He didn't chastise them. He didn't turn them back to the proper direction. God still trusted him again with a, a select son, a choice son, in an effort to do what he hadn't done with his own sons. Isn't that some cold game? And he still owed the debt from not correcting his own sons, but God still trusted him with his own choice son, right? I know that sounded like a lot. Let me let me give you an example. So for for some man listening to me right now, um i i want to i want to tell you it's it's not too late and maybe you didn't do everything with your own children the reality is um kids don't come with a handbook they don't come with a manual some things uh we can't prevent or change or retract or retreat some things we have to walk through and deal with the process of okay this particular season i blew it But how many of you know that God is a God of second and third and fourth and 15th and 237 million chances? That God is so kind and so gracious, he'll give you a reprieve. It doesn't mean that debt is absolved because you see here God is saying, listen, you blew it with your own kids and brought a curse upon yourself because you didn't do what was necessary. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to use you to nurture this other man's son into his purpose, into his promise. And so sometimes God will give us an additional opportunity um, to, to make up for some things historically, to, to give back in a different way. It may not be your biological son, but maybe God sent a young man. And and what I know um, just from mentoring and um, helping connect relationships that would add to destiny and to purpose is that there are seasons of our lives where God will just open up doors just to help somebody get to the next stage. But men, especially the pressure of mentoring or assisting in raising other men's children, it can be a very touchy or challenging topic. And I think more than anything in black and brown communities, for the fear of failure, especially if you've not been fathered well, 
if if you did not have access to a father. But I want to encourage you this morning. There's a young man that needs your now wisdom. There's a young man that needs the history, um, even of, of your errors, of your missteps, of your historical failures, in an effort to learn how to be a son. And maybe you didn't father your own child well as a 20-year-old, a 25-year-old. I just want to tell you this morning to give yourself some grace. I also want to encourage somebody that may not have been fathered well, and um, it, it creates a struggle with regard to identity. It hampers your ability to be able to find and walk in your purpose. I want you to um, consider this. Be open to better. Be open to more. Be open to different. Sometimes God will send people in our lives that don't have an agenda. The only agenda is to help point you in the right direction and learn how to discern, like the sons of Issachar, the times and the seasons. And it could be a pastor. It might just be an old wise deacon. It could just be the man at the corner store who happens to love God and uh, is not necessarily just a super church-going man, just loves God and understands what it looks like to love and to nurture another man's child, right? We're still talking about sonship. One of the greatest struggles and challenges uh, that, that I deal with on a regular basis in many relationships is if you've not had um, a, a positive experience as it relates to your paternal relationship, it makes it extremely challenging to surrender or submit your heart to our ultimate father, which is God, right? It makes it really, really um, frustrating in certain instances from what I've seen and experienced to understand the heart of a father because you've not necessarily experienced it. I want to suggest again that you would give God permission to send that someone that has the ability to pour into you differently, right? For some of us, it's our struggle with our maternal, but what I realize, what I see, what I um, experience just in, in having conversations with men who perhaps didn't have a strong father or um, their father was not the decision maker in the house. They have a tendency not to press or not to push. There are certain things that men have to learn from men. They won't get it from anywhere else. There are certain things daughters have to learn from men um, that, that women cannot hand them. And so what it also does is create trust barriers and boundaries and borders. You're afraid to trust men. You look at men skeptically. You think every man that uh, comes around wants something from you. I just want to encourage you to ask God to begin to, to deal with the stony places in your heart that you would have the capacity to receive um, mm, the love of a heart of a man that has a heart for God. Because until you learn how to be fathered naturally, it's really difficult to be fathered spiritually until that revelation comes, until you actually get it. Like you could, there are certain things that you'll see in the eyes of a son or a daughter that has been fathered well. There's a lot less resistance 
um, or rebellion concerning being fathered by God when you've experienced the love of a natural father. For most people, I won't just say men, not having um, the embrace of a biological father or a surrogate father or a foster father or an adoptive father, um, it, it makes it hard to deal with your emotions or the demonstration of affection or even physically being present. Uh, it makes it hard for you to to open up in an effort even to be heard. You'll notice that, that most men have very few words, wherein women are always expressive, always emotional. Or you'll experience a man that was raised by mostly women. His responses to everything are that of a woman. <laughs> Heck, emotional, super catty. Um, don't necessarily know how not to have a tantrum or a fit. All of those different things play a huge role in adopting the mindset of what sonship actually looks like. So my prayer this morning is that the root of every place of um, distrust or fear of trusting a man or um, the anxiety surrounded about being fathered well, that 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 be uprooted, that you begin to experience um, a liberality, a freedom, a certain longing even to be fathered effectively. And it may not be a tangible man. God may do it through you or uh, for you through the power of the Holy Spirit that can break up the fallow ground in those places where you don't trust men, where you've established God as a man. I pray that the blinders be removed from your eyes, that your ears be unplugged, that when God calls your name, that when he says your name out loud, that you hear him as father, that you hear him uh, as leader, as Lord, as governor, as the one that is counselor and comforter. I pray that you have the capacity to receive the heart of a father in this season where the times are perilous and things are shifting and we all need to be able to actively hear the voice of the father. I pray that you be super sensitized to his voice, that you be super sensitized to his drawing, to his pulling, to his leading into a different place of Sonship, where you can acquiesce to um, even the thought process that you have surrounding being fathered. Some people are apprehensive. Some people are pure, deep, plain, and simply um, afraid or fearful. And others of us have a rebellious nature when it comes to being fathered, that nature that keeps us from experiencing the freedom of being a son, the freedom of being a uh, ultimate choice child of God. And I pray that those foundations be broken up. I pray that even this word be seed for you recognizing that you didn't know your father or you didn't know God as father and you didn't know yourself from the heart of the father as being a son. There is a posture that comes with um, the recognition or being cognizant of the fact that you have a different level of authority just by being a kingdom citizen, that that there is an authority that you can stand in and send this and send that and get this accomplished and that accomplished, not at your word, 
but at his word. But in order to occupy that position, you have to be open to better. You have to be open to more. You have to be open to losing the poverty mentality, the the mentality of a pauper, of one that is not deserving of the love of a father. You have to be willing to put it on so that you can not just walk in it, but so that it has the power to transform not just your life, but everything connected to you. While Eli, his own sons, um, did not necessarily pan out the way I'm sure he planned or he thought, um, God's grace and his mercy um, gave him the wherewithal and the ability to pour into Samuel in such a way um, that not only did he fulfill his purpose, but that he learned how to be fathered well, that he learned how to hear the voice of our Heavenly Father. And so that is my prayer for you this morning, is that the next time you hear the voice of God, um, that you harden not your heart, but that you be open to being fathered as a son. I pray that something that I said this morning encouraged you, empowered you, enriched you, but more than anything that a seed was planted that'll start to help you expand and hunger and thirst about this thing called sonship and what it looks like to stand in authority as a son of God. I pray that um, it will cause you in your prayer time or in your time that God wakes you up and ministers to your heart um, that you would even open your mouth and say, God, teach me how to be a son. Teach me how to receive your love. Teach me how to stand in the authority that you had originally intended for my life. Teach me how to ask you about everything as a father and not as an ogre or a boogeyman or God that wants to punish me, but as a loving father. The Bible says that a father gives good gifts to his children. God, show me my gifts. Help me to manifest everything that you had in your imagination uh, before eternity when you sent me into this earth uh, to do your business. Amen. I thank God for uh, this morning. I pray that it blessed you. Here's the time that we have set aside for our second greeting. It's where we just give you an opportunity to say good morning. We always uh, allow our men to to start us off. After that, we have any new callers, uh, any new people that are maybe sometimes you've been on the call a while, you've just never said anything. And then finally, uh, we have just DV family members, the folks that's been hanging out for uh, almost 10 years now. So that being said, if there are any men that would like to say good morning, here's your opportunity. Now I'll give it a minute so that we can get folks off mute. I'm sorry, I see it. Amen. If not, if there are any any people on the line who just want to, um, maybe you've never said anything before, you want to tap in and, oh, wait, yeah, you want to tap in and say good morning. Any new callers? Amen. Real quick, once again, any men, because I know they were still unmuting. Any men that want to say good morning? God be praised. All right, it's Ali Ali Oxen. Free morning, y'all. Morning, it's Tanya, not Tanya. Great. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, morning. Good morning, it's Denise. 
Good morning. It's Moxie. Good morning, Mox. Good morning. Good morning. morning. This is Gigi. Hey, Gigi. Gracious, darling, you. Good morning. Good morning, Dion. Uh-oh, I heard, I heard pretty, and who else was that? Miss B. No, it wasn't pretty. Oh, it wasn't pretty. Wonderful. Hey, hey wonderful. <laughs> okay. That's, that's why I How thought are you? Pretty. I'm amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Great declaration. <laughs> well, thank um, you, Good God. morning. Good morning. This is Toya. Um, I'm not feeling good this morning, so I'm just trying to gain my strength. Um, <laughs> well, feel feel better. And Miss B, I heard you. I didn't. I wasn't ignoring you. Good morning, Miss Jubilant. Hey, you. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, sunshine. Good morning, radical. It's kindness. Thank you for your declaration. Amen. Good morning, kindness. Good morning, morning. Miss Deidre. Hey, Mrs. Franklin. And good morning, Jack. Who was that? Was that my brother? Yep. Good morning. Yo, you didn't say yo, yo, yo. You threw me off. <laughs> good morning, Miss Gloria. Hey, hey. You sound you sound okay. Just a little bit, but I'll be all right. Okay. Good morning, it's Bree Bree. Hey, Bree. Good morning. Hey. Good morning, family. Thank you for your declaration. Hey, Magnificent. Good morning. And good morning, DV family. It's Miss B. Hey, Miss morning, D. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This cloud victory is pretty Patrice. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, darling. Wonderful decoration, darling. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, Deanna. Great decoration. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Anybody else? Good morning, Sister Lisa. Great decoration. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, girl. Anybody else? Amen. All right. Engine, Anybody else? Engine. Hold on, Number nine. Engine number nine on the New York Transit line. If my train goes off the track, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Good morning, declare victory. <laughs> back on the scene. Good there you morning. go. Uh-huh. We back. Amen. Dion. Yeah. Hey, girl. Hey, have a good day. Love you. Pray for me. Hey, girl. Hey, pray. Amen. Anybody else? Good Anybody morning. Have... Hey, good morning. Questions, commentary. Anybody? Good 
Look, somebody getting ready for work. Mute your phone for me. <clears throat> Listen, I'm I'm not, I'm absolutely not beating a dead horse. Not on today. <laughs> Good morning, Dion. It's wonderful. Hey, wonderful. And uh, my dad was um in my life for a short period of time before he was abstinent. And uh, I remember me and my sister had to take turns going over his house. He had like a little studio, one, not, it wasn't even a studio, it was like a one room, like a one, like one little bedroom, like a hotel room, way, way, way back in the day. And uh, I'll never forget when it was her week, I, I used to get so angry and, you know, I was like, why I can't go? Why does she have to go? And I got to stay here. I had no understanding over his situation and the arrangement uh, that him and my mom had or his lack of finances that he couldn't take both of us at the same time. I think one time he did, but, um, you know, I talked yesterday about abandonment issues that that I I've had for a long time, and how I'm coming into the reasoning or where they stem from, and working on the solution of pushing through them. And uh, I remember my dad died when I was like 15 years old, and so. For a long, long time, I've been searching for that love from that father figure. Of course, I've searched in all the wrong places, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, but God did put somebody in my life, and they they have been like a father figure to me. And at first, I resisted it because it's like, who do you think you are, and don't you know who I am to be talking to me like that? or trying to tell me how to raise my kids or whatever. And it's been like over a period of over 20 years. And it is a, it is a blessing for me and a gift to have mm -hmm. that person in my life. Um, and, you know, I know it's, it's only by the grace of God that, that I have that. Um, Cause I'm not the easiest person to get along with. Well, I, I used to then be the easiest person to get along with. I am now. <laughs> but I'm just mm -hmm. grateful. Um, and it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing how each topic that's on this call, I, I, I find some similarities to it or I can relate to it as, with my today. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to share that. And it's good to hear your voice again. It's good to be heard. And uh, have a blessed day. Amen. Amen. Thank you for <laughs> for your input and for sharing. And I think a whole bunch of us have um, those moments of, uh, if, if you've not resolved your uh, abandonment issues, because it's, it's a real thing and it goes pretty distant for a whole bunch of us. Um, it, it takes you into places you, you didn't mean to go. Uh, it takes you into habits and behaviors that um, are, in many instances, 
difficult to break. And until you give yourself permission to be fathered, to deal with somebody that will actually hold you accountable, um, keep you cognizant of who shot John and what's what and where you're a little bit thrown off or where you're not hearing correctly, it's really kind of hard to get your footing. I know my life would be much different had I not met um, Newton Carey, no doubt. My my life would be, he, he is probably the first man that poured into my life in such a way that I started to value myself. Um, and I don't think that I knew that I didn't until I met him. It revolutionized my life, literally. Anybody else? Hey, Dion. This is Jill. Hey. Hey, Jill. I'm, I'm thinking about this whole sonship thing, and I was thinking about, you know, because I lost my dad at three and a half. And, we, you know, I remember the last time I saw him and he didn't come back, and I was only three and a half, but we had a real, real close relationship, even at three and a half. I remember part of me died after he died. You know, I didn't want to, I can remember many days of not wanting to live, be depressed, and I had vowed that I would not, you know, allow anybody to come in and, and you know, because the pain was so deep to to take that place. And when I did open up and try to do that, it was my ex-husband, and that was that was himself. God has definitely sent me a man of God, which is my husband, and he told me in, in our journey that I could trust him day one. And that was a big thing for me. But moving forward, I'm still, I'm still, I could still see, you know, through just lifestyle habits and stuff that, there are still areas, you know, where as far as that abandonment. Like, I, you know, I heard when I was um, going to a, a, a counseling class, it was like, you know, sometimes you have that, that, that um, the, the hand-to-mouth movement. Like, I love to eat sunflower seeds. I'm always putting some in my mouth. And I heard that has a lot to do with dealing with, you know, abandonment issues, those, you know, uh, it's kind of a type of comfort. So I know that I'm still dealing with stuff. I'm not where I used to be. I'm a lot farther than that. But um, I don't know why I promise you. <laughs> but, you know, I just, you know, I think I had to let that come out of my mouth that I really, you know, I, I, I was like there was no going to be no replacement for my parents. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Real thing. And if if you don't deal with it, you spend a whole bunch of time um, not only living from the broken place, but what happens is your mentality is always at a deficit. You consider what you don't have more than what you do have, if that makes sense. Total sense. Yeah, and and until uh, one of the things that you will start to understand about sonship is everything about sonship speaks to overflow, speaks to excess, 
speaks to more. Everything about sonship means more than enough. If you if you really think about um, Genesis, the the first and second chapter, the in the beginning, and and the God having done everything necessary to provide everything for Adam and Eve as they were in the garden, the enemy, his very first um, moment of entreating Eve was to speak to her lack and not to the fact that she lived in total and full abundance. He brought to her attention that she didn't have access to a thing when in reality she had access to everything. So all of us, have to find our footing with that in mind. Anybody else? Hey. Hey, Dee. Hey, babe. Thank you for that. I was cleaning school and listening to you, and I was thinking about, you know, my relationship with my father, who I was blessed to have, you know, the majority of my time. They didn't stay married, but my dad was in my life as much as he could. But then with my mom's three kids, each of our relationships were different. That makes sense. So I can remember, um, and I think when Wanda was talking, I remember my dad going, not living in like studio apartments and whatever, one bedroom house I drove past it the other day. Um, but even where he fell short, because he did, I had a, I was blessed to have a godfather from birth and I had him until Armani was born. So he was able to fill in those places where my dad fell short, not just him, but then as I grew older and became a, you know, a single mom, I have Pastor Nett and Pastor Brown filling the gap. So I've always kind of had, and then my children were blessed to have amazing godfathers when their dad fell short too. So it's like listening to you today, I was like, well, Lord, I thank you because I don't have some issues that I could have had. And same with my kids, because it's kind of like history repeated itself. That makes sense. But I see what the lack of a strong father in my children's lives have caused, even though, you know, my kids are pretty decent, they still got dysfunction, but I see where, you know, it could have been better had their father knew how to be a father, but he wasn't fathered well, if that makes sense. So that's why I wanted to share that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a real thing. It's a hey. whole Thing. Hey, go ahead. Hey, Dion, this is Gloria. Um, hey. I, I was sitting here thinking about as you were ending your declaration and you were were uh, declaring and, and decreeing into the atmosphere that those of us who have not been fathered well um, would be able to receive God as our father. And as you were doing the declaration, I was thinking about different people that God had blessed in my life to be as father figures. And I can honestly say I he blessed there to be good people there, but they, based on whatever was going on, they, they didn't have the capacity to father well. And then my not having been fathered well, it was like, okay, God, I need you to actually father me. So I appreciate you for that prayer. I appreciate this whole um, way that God is doing what he's doing for each of us in the monthly themes, and especially this 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 one right here, um, I I know it to be um, 
expedient for what I'm dealing with and how God is 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 fathering me. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, as mm-hmm. He's fathering me through this process. So I love you. I appreciate you. Amen. I love you too, sis. Good morning, beautiful mad- uh, radical midwife. Sorry, Miss Jackson, you did your thing. I am for real. Please forgive me for just calling you radical, but I just feel your spirit in so many ways, and I thank you just for being authentic, your authenticity this morning, beautiful. And I just wanted to share that I got so much from it, but, you know, my story is not exactly parallel to yours. It very well could have been. So I had three fathers. I had the father who I thought was my father when I was 10 or 11 years old. My mother told me, because if you've heard my story, my mother is from the prostitute, and therefore that made my father a pimp. All three of them. But my father was taken from me, the one I assumed was my father, and he went to prison. So about 10 or 11, my mom decided when we were supposed to meet our biological siblings the next day to inform me that they were not my biological siblings, nor was he my biological father. Now, she had an explanation for me, and the reason why she did not inform me is because he was what's known as a gorilla pimp. And he was very abusive. And he beat my mom profusely while she was pregnant with me to the point her water bag dripped for two weeks in her latter part of her pregnancy. Allegedly, this man said half $300 by six o'clock. My mom had $600 by three o'clock. Beautiful young white woman trying to find her way in the jungle. So anyhow, I never pursued him because I was young. I was fatherless anyway. I was raised in the trenches. I didn't need a dad. I had a strong mom. It became a point in life where I, I met God. And he found me, actually, because I was, wasn't searching for him. I was honestly cursing him because I knew there wasn't a guy if I went through everything I went through. Anyhow, let's fast forward after knowing God. It was placed in my heart through my children to do an ancestry test. I ended up finding out that this man who I thought was my father, by my mom telling me, my second daddy, was not my father. So I'm on Ancestry with all these DNA connections because DNA don't lie. And I'm asking for this gentleman. No one's ever heard of him, but they keep saying you have this really strong connection. Like, you, you have to be an Ingram. So I kind of reverse back to my mom like, hey, okay, come to find out I'm an Ingram. But I said all that to say that that first dad reminded me of what you said where God will send you that Godfather. That was my daddy in the world, okay? I feel like my second daddy was the second daddy that I chose. I chose Satan. He was my father until I knew God. And that was that gorilla pimp. But see, my daddy, who was my blood daddy, is the reason why I smile all the time. Because yes, he was a pimp. He hung with Fillmore Slim, Kenny Red, Ice, all of them. He's very well known. And he was a positive person. He fed into people. Even though he had ladies, he promoted them and what he did. He was not abusive. They, he made them want to do what they did for him. So there goes my third father, which was God. The guy came and I didn't know nothing about him, just like I didn't know I had a daddy. I didn't know I had God. But he came in and he pushed that positivity and he filled me with his spirit and he removed everything that wasn't of him. And yeah, I still fall short because I'm flesh and I'm the only person that stands in my family like this. But I want to testify that my mother is praying over me. My husband is praying over me in our family. And for each and every individual, for neighbors, communities. So God will do it. It's not about who you were born to. It's about who you were blessed with. So I just want to say thank you, sis. I appreciate you so much. And I just praise God and give him honor right now for who he is and for who all y'all are. With emphasis on you, radical midwife, much love to my beautiful family that holds me strong every day. 
I know God sent you because I probably couldn't do it without you. Y'all have a blessed day and keep being great. Amen, amen, and amen. God be praised. God hey, be sissy. Praised. Hey, hey sissy. Good morning. I love you so much. You're love you're more. so incredible. Um, <laughs> I just want to say that I had no concept really of what it was not to have a dad until um, Dion and I really our relationship really started to um, it changed from being mentor to just sisters and and whoever whatever we are today I don't know what we are it ain't sisters. My my point is is that I want to thank you all for um, you. Oh my God, thank you. Um, share, because it helps me to better understand. Um, I had a friend. I've, I've had a friend, Pam, who grew up in our church. She didn't have a father, and there were several people. But the way our church was, um, um, the way that our church was, it was such a family-oriented church that we didn't make a big deal. The kids didn't, uh, and I'm assuming the adults didn't. I don't, I don't know because I was a kid. We didn't make a big deal, look down at have a father, blah 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 blah. We didn't we didn't do anything. That that wasn't that wasn't that was one of the great things about our church, each other as family for the most part. And I remember um, as 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 I've gotten older, as I've become an adult, you know, some of my childhood friends talk about, you know, like one one gentleman. I asked him, I was like, who was your who? Your, how did you learn to be a man? You know, you didn't have, your dad wasn't in the home, blah, 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 blah. He said, your dad. <laughs> and more than one person has said that to me. Your dad. And I never looked at my dad as a special person. He's the pastor, blah, 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 blah. I, he, I looked at him as my dad and all these people pulling on him. But I want to thank you for shedding light because it, it. Good morning. Hello. I'm, hello. Am I speaking? Am I still talking? Yeah. Can y'all still hear me? Oh, okay. Keep going. Um, so, so it, it helps me as a person who grew up in a two-parent household that was still dysfunctional. They, <laughs> my parents won't admit it, but we had our we had our issues. But my my point is, is that I didn't realize until I, um, Dion and I became friends, how challenging it could have not had that father figure in their life because it's an abstract to me the way I perceive it. It's an abstract concept, and um, it means a lot for someone like a Dion, Kim, and of the others that are on the line, Juju and the other, Wanda and the others that are on the line, to be able to talk about their relationship now. And it helps me when I am speaking with other people as to how I can't assume that people, oh, just believe God because he's your father. What? Some people have a horrible taste in their mouth about fathers and some people, but anyway, it runs the gamut. Now I feel like I am um, rambling, but I just wanted to say how, how much I love you and how much I appreciate your transparency because it is a healing bomb, not only for people who grew up without a, and fathers who were outside of the home, um, who may not be able to say anything right now. Maybe you'll listen to the playback later, but I just felt just the peace of God. As we, as you shared this morning, that's it. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank God for another day just to be alive and just to tell him thank you, Pastor Dion. This is Tony. Um, 
when I heard you go to that scripture this morning, I got that scripture years ago in my sleep. The Lord gave me that scripture. and I didn't really understand the scripture until this morning. You opened the scripture up to me, but we all have a responsibility when it comes down to the Lord, and we all need somebody to be accountable for us. But sometimes people don't want to be accountable for their actions because they love what they're doing. You know, they get in the flesh and they forget about God and they do their thing. But I still didn't understand the scripture. I understood some of it when you was talking about, you know, having somebody to be accountable for you. But to the fullest of that scripture, I really still didn't understand it. I know the Lord calls us and he chose, you know, he chose people. Uh, many are chosen, many are called, but few are chosen. But um, I felt like I probably was one of those he had called. But can you still expound <laughs> why I got that scripture? Um, well, be a little bit more specific, Miss Tony. What What do you mean with regard to, um, to which when he part? Called, when Eli thought he had called him. Um, it was just about the whole scripture. Um, I got that scripture in my sleep one night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how, you, how the Lord say, Him, I send me <clears throat> to do His will. Um, I just felt like I was one of the chosen vessels when I had gotten that scripture. Um, when He had given me that scripture, He wanted me to do something. It was a job that He wanted me to do within Him. Well, um, there. There, there are there are several different things that I think um, even even for me <clears throat> I knew that God was calling me and even though Tan is not a man it was a lot of her redirecting you know I would ask her questions she'd be like well you know for some things she'd say I don't necessarily know the answer let's go ask Elder Quinn. Okay. Right. The, the Bible says this: "They who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled." Yes. One of the biggest problems I think we all have is we don't ask the right questions, right? Yes. And so, what what I've learned through my process is God will take me through these different inquiries, and and say, "Ask me differently," right? Okay. And so, so. Nothing changes. An information does not bring revelation. Revelation brings revelation. Mm-hmm. The only way to get to that is by asking the right questions. I have a tendency um, to ask God questions. Right. So, and in in doing that, um, even with Pastor Kerry becoming part of my life, I, I I talk about that one particular sermon that he preached and the visual is what triggered in me to want to know more. And it just began this journey of of asking God, Lord, put people in my path that will help me get closer to you. Put people in front of me that will help me to understand um, not what you do, but who you are. I want to know everything about you as father. Give me a physical example of what a father looks like. And I met. Newton Carey. And then not only that, but then God began to surround me with men who are fathers. Okay. Just because you are a man does not make you a father. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I think to answer your question better, Miss um, Tony, and, and to make a suggestion that may help through your journey, 
is begin to ask God to give you the right questions and to prepare you for the answer. Because okay. you've got to be prepared for the answer sometimes. Yes. Yes. Like even even the fact that I asked my mother um, when I was 28 years old, now, mind you, there was a name on my birth certificate, and at, at a certain point, especially after my, my sister's father came to visit, I was like, hey, Mom, I think I'm going to try to find my father. I could see the fear in her eyes I had never seen. Okay. And it didn't have anything to do with my father. It had everything to do with her history, right, and, and a, a piece of her life that, that still had a grip on her with shame and guilt. Right, we we there's a different type of compassion that you'll have for your parents um, if you start to ask God the right questions, like somebody that's holding their father hostage or their mother hostage to history. You you don't know what made them who they are. Okay. But when I asked her about my father, um, it not only freaked her out, like she she made a whole appointment to come and talk to me. She was like, Deanna, I have to tell you something. And I was like, okay. She said, I have no idea who your father is. Okay. But I was able to give her some freedom by saying, Mom, it's a, that's a, I mean, life happens. And I know I'm a little different, um, but it gave her a different type of freedom to say, listen, everything that we do in, in most cases, and depending on how you grew up, some of it is trauma response. Right. Some of us left around because... Um, we were unprotected as children and, and didn't deal with the the trauma of being molested or touched or the abandonment or rejection from this one or that one. There, there are so many things that go with this, and it is a large reason why people don't operate in or from purpose because you don't want to deal with it. You've got to deal with the things that you don't understand. You've got to ask the right questions so you can get free from it and move forward, and it doesn't matter how old you are. Who cares? Okay. And church don't fix that. <laughs> right. Okay. I hope that helped a little bit, Miss Tony. It did. It did. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Good morning. This is Swanita. Uh, well, I I actually um kind of have a opposite. I I was raised by my father. And uh, without a mother, and um, the little difference is that you know my father passed away in 2016, and my mother we had already established a relationship, but as we talk every day, and so the more and more, you know, I find out about why she wasn't there, and um, but when I was like. I want to say I was 14. For some reason, my grandmother actually raised me too, my father's mother. And um, my my grandmother, at four, when I was 14, I guess I was going through a lot of struggles, maybe just, you know, hormones or whatever was going on with me. She felt that I needed a little bit more information about my mother. And for some reason, she had my mother's theory. And there was two of them. There was two books. And she gave them to me. And the more I read them, because my mother wrote everything down, I don't care if she bought 
a piece of bubble gum for one cent, she wrote that down and what she, you know, where she bought it from and things like that. She wrote everything down and kind of gave me a better understanding um, of what she was going through as a teenager. She's a teenager. Um, my father was 19. I think she was 17. They were married. And when they divorced, she gave up her rights. Um, there was a lot going on, you know, with the families not, you know, getting along with her and things like that. So there was a lot going on, and she was still like a young girl, and my father went off to the Army. So when he went off to the Army, she felt abandoned by him. Her her, her father abandoned her because of um, her, you know, getting pregnant and married. So anyway, that the, the thing is, is that, yes, you know, understanding of who you are, the way you respond to things because of what has transpired in your life, you know, missing that abandonment issue, and I felt that I was overly muffing my children. You know, whatever. Somebody needs to mute their phone. Go ahead, Juanita. Yeah, I was um, just, you know, over-mothering, and even um, my children because of I wanted to give them what I didn't have, I, I believe. And and I think um, even since I've been on this line since 2019, um, you pointed out some things to me as well, you know, when it came to that, you know, um, that missing piece in my life um, that I was, you know, codependent. Um, so, yes, I, you know, it has a lot to do when you know who you are and who you are. Um, once you find that out, you know, it changes the whole perspective of, of your life. You know, you change the way you move, the way you act, the way you talk. So I just thank God uh, for you. I thank God for this line. And God bless. Amen. And we thank God for you. Love you, sis. Love you, too. Amen. Anybody else? Hey, good morning. It's never again. Um, you said something early on about um, when you were introduced to Newton Carey and have, how um, your experience with him brought an awareness that you didn't have essentially about what you had been missing in a, in a father. And it made me think about um, how so often, I think, and this is probably stating the obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway, I think we have underestimated the importance of, of fatherhood. And one of the things that came to mind was this statement that just prickles my skin where I've heard people say, oh, I had to be the mama and the daddy, or, you know, my mother was my mother and my father. Um, mm. When in fact, uh, that's not, it's not possible, right? It's a lie. I recognize what I recognize about it is it's a defense mechanism. You talked about trauma response, right? Um, mm -hmm. There are things that we have done because we had to to survive. So even culturally, um, from our uh, many of us in our ancestry and the brutality of enslavement and families being torn apart, and even um, going from um, that period to periods where there was intentional systems that broke families apart, we had to survive, right? Um, so trauma response, there are things we did because 
that was the way we survived. But we, we learn as we learn on this line that we get to a point where we outgrow um, things that no longer serve us and they become harmful. And there's this idea that, you know, we don't, I don't, I don't need a daddy or that, you know, I can do it. I can do it all when it's not true. Right. Even though we're still recovering from all of this, it's not, there's no amount of substitution for the role that men play in our lives, the role that a man plays and a father plays in, in parenting, parenting a child. Um, we each have our roles, and, and that's not to diminish one or put we, I think we in our humanness have a tendency to like to rank things. But the beauty of creation is that we are interconnected and we function better when we work together to support one another in the way we are created to do. And anybody who gardens knows that if you just pay attention, um, as organisms, we depend on one another. And, and it's important. And it also made me think about just like this line, for instance, you know, on Friday we have we have a men's day and it's a day that has been set aside so that we can hear the men's voices from um, the greeter to the person that prays to the declaration. And now that's not the only day that we can hear men's voices, right? But it it is specifically set aside for men and it's something that we as women can't can't step into and substitute. So we need we need our men. We need to hear their voices. We need them because not only do they um, serve us as women, but as as other men. So I, I was just um, it just made me think about that when 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 you were talking about just the awareness of the role that having a father in your life played. And sometimes we don't know what we don't know. You know, you don't know what you're missing until you're exposed to um, the impact and the importance of having that that thing in in your life. So um, I just thank you, as always, for your for your yes and for your commitment to this line, for your um, your study and your teaching and the way um, that you serve and empower us to to be better and and to walk in um, the purpose that God has has called us to be. So I I appreciate you for that, sis. Love you. Amen. Love you more, sweetie. And and yes, it's a real thing. You mean it's a real thing, and you you don't even know what you're missing until you get what you're missing. That's the cold that part. part. I, did, I when I tell you for real, I did not realize I didn't have a father. I didn't get it until I started to be fathered, and it revolutionized everything. It it changed how I approached things a lot, you know, and and with outside circumstances with a bunch of different abandonment issues. When I say that man was a gift from on high, he completely revolutionized my life, no doubt. Hey, man, anybody else? Pastor Dion, this is Kyan Kim again, if I may. I just want to encourage somebody because, as I said, I felt like in the early 20s I was cursing God because I never felt his presence. I want everybody to know that he truly spoke to me that day. I hadn't heard the voice of God until that day. And it was so powerful and it was so real to where I was calling people to verify what he had just showed me. So I lived on Garrier Market in the Tenderloins as a little girl. That was one of our spots that we stayed above this grocery store, little market, whatever it was. And I promise you, I do not ever remember my mama walking me to church. But I was a praise dancer at five and six years old. Me and my sister walked by ourselves from our house to, um, to church, and we prayed there. 
We praise them at Glide Memorial Church in San Francisco, California. From there, we transitioned to Berkeley because, you know, being a prostitute, you traveling, you nationwide, right? There was a maid, and I've shared this before, but it just hit me so deep today because I left it there, and I don't want to leave it there because God showed me that even though I didn't know him, right, he knew me. That maid, when I was in Berkeley, California, living next to the foster freeze in the Berkeley Plaza, that maid on her day off on Sunday came and picked up me and my sister. Now, there was a lot of little kids that lived in the motel, but God sent her to me. When my mama came up missing for a whole week and I was sent to my grandmother in Washington, <laughs> yeah, that was something, but these people had never been around black people, didn't know nothing about culture, hair, none of that. Cut our hair off, we couldn't wear grease, they didn't want greasy pillows, we better not cry for them nigga daddies, none of that. But God kept me there because there's few black people in this little town called Yakima, Washington. But one of them was sent just for me. A wonderful brother who was the band driver, he came and picked us up on Sunday and took us to church. So I'll just, I just want to encourage somebody that even though we've been through the storm and we feel like God cheated us or we didn't get what we deserved or we weren't being kept, what about me, God? I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a mom. God showed me in his word I'll be the mother to the motherless and the father to the fatherless. I said, well, God, me and my siblings, we're not close. What's going You know, I love my family. What's going I'll send you a, a brother that'll sit. I mean, I'll send you a friend that'll sit closer than a brother or a sister. See, I didn't know about brokenness. I didn't know that everybody went through their own stuff and was living out of their own brokenness. It was me, me, me. Why me? Why I don't have this with it? Why I don't have the Cosby family, right? But ooh, we know that right. ain't even reality. Cosby family ain't real either. But I just want to encourage somebody today that God is always there. He's there through the storm. Everything that was meant to break me built me. I stand around and look at people crumbling, and I thank God that I can encourage them in Christ, but it's because of what he allowed me to go through. He brought me through. So I just want to declare and decrease today that, honey, God is able. He is on the throne. There's power in his name. There always has been. He don't swipe to the left. He don't leave you on red. Pick up your line. <laughs> Call him up and tell him what you want. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Sir. Amen, amen. Amen. Anybody else? Hello. It's Marcy. Hey, good morning. Hey, Mark. Hey, you guys. You know, it's such a great declaration, too. So I, I was just sitting here thinking, you know, of course, about my father, you know, but when I was thinking about my dad, you know, I was raised, you know, with my mom and dad. You know, and I had a great dad, you guys. My dad was, you know, he he also put that fear in us. You know, we knew not to play with him, but at the same time, I have my father. You know, he was there for me. Um, you know, even after I moved out, I remember like I could expect that before the day either in or early in the morning, my dad gonna stop by. You know, so you know, I truly miss that. I'm not, you know, sometimes I just sit here and imagine his face and me hugging him and wishing I could feel that beard and smell his, that, you know, that smell of his hair again, you know what I'm saying? But what I'm experiencing when it comes to my heavenly father, you know, it's a, it's a difference, you know, because I understand, you know, that protectiveness that my father had for me, you know, I was like, wow, you know, those, those good things are, are the same, but I'm learning, um, a different relationship with my heavenly father of understanding, you know, that he is my father, not just God, you know, God, God, you know, 
God, no, he's also my father, you know. So still getting that in me to, you know, um, within me to receive, you know, because I, I can feel that sometimes it's just be God, God, you know, God. No, go go as father, as your father, like dad, I, you know, you, I need you or I'm, where I'm low or, you know what I'm saying, I need you to get me there, whatever the case may be, because my father always drove me, guys, I couldn't drive until I was like 28 years old, so my father drove me everywhere, so sometimes I picture that, like, God go still, he's my heavenly father, he gonna still get me there, I need you to get me there, like, you know, in my um, sanctified imagination, I do that sometimes, but what I was just saying, like, the difference, you know, of when you did have a father and separating it from receiving yourself with your heavenly father, you know what I'm saying? Like, not not pitting them the same, you know what I'm saying? Because I did have a big, big fear also of my dad. My dad didn't play. But, yeah, that's why I was just thinking about that, like, receiving the the newness, the new relationship of this beautiful father who knows all, you know, who's above all, who could do all, you know, who loves me. Absolutely, for no reason at all. No reason for no other reason than that. At all. Loves you. Yeah. yeah. And what I notice about my friends who have fathers, their heart for the father is very different. It's a lot more tender. It's a lot more open, a lot more susceptible to receiving the love of a father. And so, um, man, don't be afraid to ask God to replace your father. That's what I did. Even in moments where I didn't feel like my mother was mothering me well. Um, and, and, again, it has everything to do with some of the sets of circumstances that, that she dealt with. You know, for some of you that struggle with loving your mother or, you know, forgiving her for this, that, mm-hmm. and the third, it's all the same stuff. If you understand that they got a story just like you got one, it, it makes you a little bit more tender. And, and so it makes you a lot more open to what God has in store for you. So I hope that encourages somebody. Yes, it does. And, and you just remind me that of more set towards my mom. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to flip it to the mother. Yeah, the mother wants to the mom with more of, of you know, the things that set in for me. But, yeah, thank you for even telling me that. So if I could ask him to, you know, replace replace my father, that I never thought about that in that way. I thought that would be kind of like, you know, taken from my dad. You know what I mean? And I, I don't, I was going to say, and it may not be replace your father, but add to me a father figure. Okay. Because you, you never replace your father, you know what I mean? And and for those of you that struggle with maternal wounds, Sabrina is having a very intimate event. Um, you'll see the flyers and things like that on my page. Um, that is going to be a therapeutic conversation. Only 25 people can come. It will not only help with maternal wounds, but it will also help with paternal wounds. There, There are things that that mirror one another, and and though they play very different roles to the extreme in some circumstances, the the thought process is the part that you need, thinking your way to different. It's all a mentality. Until I gave my mother permission to be 100% herself and had the capacity to receive what she had to give, you know, and, and still right now today, there's some stuff my mom just doesn't have to give. I'm not mad at her for that. 
she didn't ask for that to be her makeup. It just is. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't hold her hostage to even her historical pain that she hasn't dealt with. What you also notice is that Samuel was an interruption um, to some historical circumstances in the life of Eli. And from generation to generation, if you're born into a bloodline where your parents didn't do everything right, keep in mind, Eli did not do everything right with his own kids. But God gave him action at better through somebody else's child. Amen. Amen. Anybody else before we get ready to wrap it up? Amen. All right, y'all. Well, like I said, it's Wednesday. Um, we had two simple announcements this morning. Declare victories gala on January 13th. You can get your tickets if you if you can't pay. And it's, it's not like it's a lot of money. We're not trying to raise money. We're just trying to make sure we have a good time and, and it doesn't cost me blood and a right arm. Um, but if you want to, you can pay it weekly. Just pay $25 a week. And we got, I don't even know how many weeks, several, plenty. Um, and just put at the bottom DV. Use the registration form. <clears throat> if you just pay a fraction of it, each time you make a payment, just use the registration form and it'll register and I'll be able to see um, that the full payment is made. And also for um, the uh, the promise after the pain that is healing my mother's wounds, that's Sabrina Robertson's event. Um, definitely take a look at that. Uh, you can also just track on my page. There are several events that I am taking care of the marketing for. If you're a foodie, there's a, a food and fashion fashion show with this chick named <laughs> Chef Renee Johnson. And baby, she can cook. That's in the city of Oakland. And um, also the Evolution of You, Samantha Wise is having an event as well. Um, that's just about community and activism and, um, yeah, putting putting to death secrets in, in families. And so there are several different things going on that you guys can participate in that I believe will be a blessing to you. Uh, I pray that something that was said today will keep you um, aware and abreast of the fact that we all need more. Uh, more of this, more of that, whatever the more is, I pray that not only you get it, but you have the capacity to receive it, to nurture it, and to grow it. Uh, I thank God for each and every one of you, and uh, I will hear you, those of you that are fasting at 5 p.m. today. If not, we'll hear you tomorrow, same that station, same that time. I love you, but I promise God loves you most. Have a wonderful day, guys. I love you, Pastor Dion. I love you, family. Have a good day. Have a great day, everybody.